Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. Welcome, welcome. So again, my name is Eve Decker, and um, I'm really thankful to James for inviting me. I um, started practicing in the Vipassana tradition, actually started with James's beginning class in 1991, and I've been a musician since childhood, and I was so moved by the Dharma that I began writing songs um, inspired by Buddhist teachings in 1993. Um, and I've been performing them with my band, Rebecca Riots, and then more recently on my own, as well as I'm still playing with Rebecca Riots too. And I sing for James's Joy, the Awakening Joy class. So um, in James's Awakening Joy class, um, it's a 11, 10, 11 month series. And each month there's a topic. And there were, he has three, mus three musicians that come and sing for him, or now four. So I go to three of those 10 or 11 months to sing. And it so happened that this year I was there to sing for the month where we were talking about self-love. Um, and last year, too. And I didn't have a song on that topic. And so I chose to write one, which I'm going to sing for you in a moment. And in the writing of the song, I realized that this topic of self-love is really, really critical to me personally and to everyone I know. And I think that the reason that it is critical is because I believe that in mainstream American culture, we are typically conditioned with with many good qualities like autonomy, perseverance, and discernment. But we're not conditioned towards self-love in mainstream culture. I don't believe we are. Um, I believe, when I look back on, on my own conditioning, that even with the best of intentions, our culture um, conditions us toward a seeking of an impossible perfection that in fact, generates self-doubt and self-criticism and self-hatred. And that these qualities of doubt and criticism and hatred are endemic in our culture. And that they, I believe that they are one of the primary sources of some of the big troubles that we have individually and culturally. Uh, the terrible depression and anxiety and rage and addiction and violence and greed, find their source, find their roots in this conditioning, not, not necessarily a conditioning that's, uh, an Ill, of ill will, but this conditioning of seeking some kind of perfection that in fact engenders self-hatred. I, I further believe that until we can really truly experience radical self-love, we don't have a full portal of loving-kindness for loving anyone else either. Now, it, it's not that we can't and don't really love, even if we don't accept ourselves, because we do. But it's just not as big or as open or as free or as easily accessible. It's like there's one door of love 
And when it's open, everybody gets the love, including ourselves. So how to open that door? I feel it's really important. Um, and, and another tricky thing that I've noticed about this conditioning is one arm of it is that it, um, there are some belief systems that, I've, that I've, I've found ingrained in my own mind and had to unpack and undo that say that seeking self-love, should I choose to do that, is at best a trivial waste of time. In at worst, is self-absorbed, selfish, narcissistic, bad, and even evil. Because I'm supposed to be working hard and doing service and you know, in a disciplined place and putting things out. And self-love, when I explore that, looks like fun. It looks like joy. It looks like pleasure. It looks like kindness. And those things are somehow not valued in my conditioning. So having to get through that first, that first wall of conditioning and then exploring how to really allow self-love and trust and have faith that this is going to not only bring me towards something better, but it's also going to make me a more functional, service-oriented, loving being in the world. But it requires a radical acceptance of who I am now with all of my blessings and all of my challenges and all of my struggles. Because there is no such thing as this perfect, as this impossible perfection. There isn't. We are by our natures imperfect. So how to love ourselves this way? Really love ourselves, not just say it. Really do it. So this is a song that I want to sing to start off for you. I used to have sheets for us to sing together. But. And these are my, my current thoughts on self-love. The way I see it, there are two choices. I can wait for all these voices to tell me I have made it. Or I can love myself the way I am, the way I see it. There are two choices. Try to do it their way or find my own rejoicing music and play. I've been given a responsibility to love myself like I would love a child. Chaotic, wild, and turning, building bridges, bridges burning, just as I am. To love me, maybe self-hatred protects me. Until the day no one rejects me, if I reject myself first, your coldness might not hurt as much. 
Maybe if I work harder, try more, do more, faster, longer, the day will come when I feel loved by everyone. I've been given a responsibility to love myself like I love trees. Okay, when branches crack and fall, no striving, no have-tos at all. The sparkling green that breathes me just as I am loves me. No, I do not have it all together. I never have and I never will. And I know that you don't have it all together either cause nothing here was made that way. We're all falling. We're all flying. We're all playing. We're all dying. We've been given a responsibility to love ourselves like we love freedom, using courage just to see the simple truth of you and me. Love looks like humble gratitude. Love looks like endless forgiveness. Just as we are, just as we are, just as we are. Love us. The way I see it, there are two choices. We can wait for all these voices to tell us we have made it. Or we can love ourselves just the way we are. Thank you. So, yeah, so learning to love this flawed and foibly being, then it's like okay that we're all flawed and foibly. We're just, we're just doing the best we can. So this is a really, really important lesson for me. That's why I'm talking about it, because it's really important for me. And in my years of, um, of Vipassana practice and metta practice, I have found some really, really great tools. And when I first started these practices, and what I'm going to talk about is present moment awareness and gratitude and awareness of impermanence and compassion. These are all intentional practices that I began within a Buddhist framework. I didn't know that I was practicing self-love. I was just practicing some cool concepts. But what they did was they started to break down some of the conditioning and just all this, you know, light started to break out where there wasn't light before. So I think these are wonderful practices, and I know you do too, and that's why we're all here. So it's fun to talk about present moment awareness, 
gratitude, awareness of impermanence, and compassion. Starting with present moment awareness, our practice of sitting on the cushion or the chair and dropping down into the body and letting it be as it is. If there's aches and pains, letting them be there, investigating them. Watching the rising and falling of the breath and taking refuge in this. And what does that mean, refuge? Well, it's a freedom from the rumination of the past and the fear and fantasy of the future, and it's just coming into this moment, which is so much simpler than all those dramas. And it's a refuge that brings insight. And what is that insight? Well, a lot of the concepts of self are just thoughts, and I don't have to believe them. What a huge relief. And so even if there's a habit pattern, which in my case there is, a habit pattern of, say, contraction, instead of believing the thoughts that lead to the contraction and believing and shooting the second arrow, I can just let all that be. Just watch it. And it can just be energy coming and going. So that wonderful refuge of the present moment is a, for me, was and is and remains a primary first step and main tool in self-acceptance, allowing whatever's here to arise in a, in a space of curiosity rather than judgment. And in that moment, we see that the rising and the falling of the breath and the simplicity of the moment is almost always extremely wonderful. It's, you know, there's this chair we're sitting in and these legs and this, these lungs and these eyes. It's all a miracle. So um, let's sing together a little bit about this. On your sheet, there is a song called Breath by Nina Wise. The lyrics are from Thich Nhat Hanh. Sing it for you one time, and then let's try to just pitch, just just join right in. In breath, out breath, deep breath, slow breath, calm breath, ease breath, smile breath, release breath, present moment, wonderful moment. Okay, let's try it together. In breath, out breath. In breath, out breath, deep breath, slow breath, calm breath, ease breath, smile breath, release breath, present moment, wonderful moment. In breath, out breath, deep breath, Calm breath, ease breath, smile breath, release breath, present moment, wonderful moment. 
Calm breath, ease breath, smile breath, release breath, present moment, wonderful love. Well, you sound fantastic. Singing is praying with the right lyrics, and that's what we're doing. So let's, um, let's do this in a round. So we'll start over here. And then when this group has said, um, smile, breath, release, breath, then we'll start over here. In breath, out breath, deep breath, slow breath, calm breath, ease breath, smile breath, release breath, in breath, Okay, now let's say present moment, wonderful moment again. for me, I get it, that the present moment is, is wonderful. And sometimes if there's some suffering in my life, I can't get it, that the present moment is wonderful. And the Buddha has a teaching, explicit in the sutras, that it is skillful at these times to put one's mind out into the world and think about people who are suffering not to increase their suffering at all, but just to get a perspective on my suffering. So, for instance, if, if recently I've had some emotional suffering about a loss, and I could really trip out and ruminate and really bring myself down, I'm thankful that I'm not some acquaintances of mine, some American acquaintances who are in jail in Iran right now, I'm thankful that bombs are not falling outside. And I'm also grateful that I have legs, because I have two friends who don't. And just remembering those things, it's like, well, okay, yeah, here's the burning, but present moment, wonderful moment. You know, keep it in perspective, it's okay. This present moment awareness allows for some self-acceptance. And then the next quality that I find comes naturally out of an investigation of the present moment is gratitude. Because the more that I 
am in this moment and having the amazement of the butt on the Zafu and what is this Zafu and where did it come from to support me in this moment, out of that comes gratitude for the Zafu. Sometimes I have a story that all these things we sit on, Zafus and chairs and couches and even beds and airplane seats, that they're all bodhisattvas. And they have come and they've arisen simply to support us and they've come with no expectation of any uh, acknowledgement whatsoever. <laughs> they've just come. Oh, and I know that. Hey, Zafu, thanks. Hey, Earth, thanks. Hey, trees. Hey, air. Bird song. Smiling face in the grocery store. Every single one of those things is a blessing. Rumi says something like, this is not an exact quote, but something like, stop your crying and for one moment notice the blossoms falling all around you. And sometimes our crying is legitimate. We do have real suffering. We all do. But we still have these blossoms. I mean, it doesn't serve us to forget them. Our gratitude. And Thich Nhat Hanh says, you are loved by the whole cosmos. So look for signs of that. Well, oh, the whole cosmos loves me, so there must be something good going on here. She's giving me these beautiful clouds and nice friends, something precious. I mean, in Buddhist teaching, every one of us human beings is incredibly lucky to be human. And the Dalai Lama said, I'm telling you stories you may already know, but that story about 10 years ago when some Western teachers were meeting with the Dalai Lama and asking him about how to work with the chronic low self-worth of the yogis and even among the other teachers. And the Dalai Lama took 10 minutes with his translator trying to even understand what low self-worth was. And then when he got it, this gentle, gentle being became fierce and said, you are wrong. Low self-worth, wrong. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a delusion. You're loved by the whole cosmos. Why? Because you're incredibly, incredibly precious. And once we get that from the outside, we can begin to really let it into the heart. Woo, I'm precious. Not in a vain way, but in a, I'm going to take care of this being way. I'm going to be a good parent to her. I'm going to care for her. Gratitude. The Latin source of the words gratitude and grace is the same. Gratitude and grace. And St. Francis de Assisi taught that to access grace, we practice gratitude. So the more I'm grateful for every little thing, and, and here's a tricky thing I'm going to come to in a minute, including the hard stuff, grateful for it all, the more I see that it is grace, the universe. I use the word God. I know in Buddhist circles that can be a, a triggering word, but 
God works for me sometimes in goddess, or I'll say God and she in the same, you know, I'll give her a female pronoun, however it works for you. Something mysterious, sacred, and miraculous is going on. We're in some kind of a weird, fabulous dream. And gratitude opens the door for consciousness or awareness of grace. So let's sing together again. Underneath breath is a song called My Grateful Heart. How gratitude frees us from that suffering, ruminating mind and allows us to see this wild dream that we're in. Again, I'll sing it for you and then we can sing it together. My grateful heart, so filled with years of living, memories flow by me like petals on a stream. My grateful heart forgives so many sorrows, brings peace that lasts forever illuminates the dream let's try it my grateful heart so filled with years of living memories flow by me like petals on a stream my heart forgives so many sorrows brings peace that lasts forever illuminates the dream my grateful heart so filled with years of living memories by me like petals on a stream my grateful heart forgives so many sorrows brings peace that lasts forever illuminates the So there's, there's gratitude. But the other thing that comes with present moment awareness practice is the awareness of impermanence, that everything always passes. Now this is good news and bad news. The good news is that whatever kind of suffering there is, it will change. It will pass, it will change, it will transmute. It will change. The bad news is, whatever good, beautiful, or wonderful thing there is in life will change. It will transmute. It will go. Now, it's not a bad thing. It's just the truth. And knowing the truth is helpful. (laughs) Because 
when something is painful for me and I know remember impermanence, I can hang in because I know shortly some new scene is going to be flying up in front of me. And if something wonderful is happening, I can come lean into it and hold it with a sense of poignancy and preciousness because I know I won't have it for very long. That's why the Buddha taught that contemplation of death is skillful. It's not morbid, which is something we learn in our culture. Uh, If it's paralyzing or painful, then it's not useful. But in a certain mind state, contemplation of death can be extremely helpful because we're all on our way out and we don't know if or when we'll see each other again. And that knowledge of impermanence, then I look and I see how beautiful you are. And it's easier to send kindness and love when I remember impermanence. Like say, someone I love is getting on my nerves. If I stay in the getting on my nerves thing, uh, you know, dysfunction junction. (laughs) But um, if I remember impermanence, Oh my gosh, yeah, you're getting on my nerves, but your eyes are beautiful. And I love you. And it's the same with ourselves. Impermanence. But it's important, too, with the um, suffering part of impermanence and the remembering that it's, that it's going to go. Sometimes that's not enough. Sometimes... It really needs to be leaned into. Uh, One of my current heroes is a woman named Martha Beck, who's a columnist for O Magazine, has written a bunch of wonderful nonfiction books. She teaches when the fire is upon you to lean into it and let it burn you, let it burn you away. I want to share Rilke with you. Someday, emerging at last from the violent insight, let me sing out jubilation and praise to assenting angels. Let not even one of the clearly struck hammers of my heart fail to sound because of a slack, a doubtful, or a broken string. Let my joyfully streaming face make me more radiant. Let my hidden weeping arise and blossom How dear you will be to me then, you nights of anguish. Why didn't I kneel more deeply to accept you, inconsolable sisters, and surrendering, lose myself in your loosened hair? How we squander our hours of pain. How we gaze beyond them into the bitter duration to see if they have an end. Though they are really our winter-enduring foliage, Our dark evergreen, one season in our inner year. What if our suffering is giving us teachings that we desperately need? And that instead of getting lost in how to distract, how to run away, which actually just prolongs it, what about leaning in, saying, hello, here I am. I'm in free fall. I'm in huge pain. Hello, dark winter foliage. 
let me feel you and know you. What comes of that? I think different things for different people. For me, self-acceptance. Compassion for others. Having been through the suffering that I've been through, it's not so hard to stay present with certain kinds of pain in others. It's easy. This is a poem a lot of you know, but it's such a beacon that I just, I just got to share it. And this is kindness, Naomi Shihabnai. Before you know what kindness really is, you must lose things, feel the future dissolve in a moment like salt in a weakened broth. What you held in your hand, what you counted and carefully saved, all this must go so you know how desolate the landscape can be between the regions of kindness. How you ride and ride, thinking the bus will never stop. The passengers eating maize and chicken will stare out the window forever. Before you learn the tender gravity of kindness, you must travel where the Indian in a white poncho lies dead by the side of the road. You must see how this could be you. How he too was someone who journeyed through the night with plans and the simple breath that kept him alive. Before you know kindness as the deepest thing inside, you must know sorrow as the other deepest thing. You must wake up with sorrow. You must speak to it till your voice catches the thread of all sorrows and you see the size of the clock. Then, it is only kindness that makes sense anymore. Only kindness that ties your shoes and sends you out in the day to mail letters and purchase bread. Only kindness that raises its head from the crowd of the world to say, it's I you have been looking for, and then goes with you everywhere like a shadow or a friend. Kindness. The Dalai Lama says, my religion is kindness. Love, loving kindness. It's all that same energy. Whether it's rising from gratitude and the amazingness, the 10,000 joys, or compassion and the, the crushing reality of the suffering that we all endure. Loving kindness result for myself for all beings you know there's there's another really wonderful you know in Buddhism there's the three characteristics so that's impermanence and suffering or unsatisfactoriness and no separate self we are all intertwined and there's this beautiful Sufi chant that says, This is the face of my beloved. Nothing, nothing is separate. This is the face of my beloved. Nothing, nothing is separate. 
Nothing at all, nothing at all, nothing, nothing is separate. Nothing at all, nothing at all, nothing, nothing is separate. The, the joys and the sorrows, me, and you, it's one fabric, and the way to hold that fabric is love. That's all, kindness. All that conditioning about self-criticism, we just make a bigger set of arms, hold that in kindness. Whatever is happening here, just make a bigger set of arms and hold it in kindness. Let it be. So we have a couple of meta songs to sing, one from the Beatles <laughs> on the back of that page. <clears throat> Nothing you can do that can't be done. Nothing you can sing that can't be sung. Nothing you can say but you can learn how to play the game. It's easy. Nothing you can make that can't be made. No one you can save that can't be saved. Nothing you can do, but you can learn how to be you inside. It's easy. All you need is love. All you need is love. All you need is love. Love, love is all you need. Love. Nothing you can see that isn't shown. There's nowhere you can be that isn't where you're meant to be. It's easy. All you need is love. All you need is love. All you need is love. Love, love is all you need. All you need is 
my talk about that song with my friends, and we have different lines. My current favorite line in that song is, there's nowhere you can be that isn't where you're meant to be. A letting it unfold. Just letting it be. Here we are. Yeah, right on. And then where are we going next? That's, that's exactly the right next place. OK, and um, so one more song to sing together. This is a song. Um, the metta practice that was taught by the Buddha, um, he taught it as an antidote to fear, which is kind of what I'm talking about, too. Self-love is an antidote to self-judgment and self-criticism and self-doubt. It's the same thing, opening and contracting. And, and an antidote to the contraction is this, this kindness, this allowing, this love. The um, particular circumstance was that there were these monks meditating in a forest, and they found the forest to be haunted and scary and creepy. For them, there were forest spirits that were making bad smells and scary noises and just didn't want them there. So the monks um, didn't want to meditate in that forest. But the Buddha said, please go back and just practice love. Just practice sending out love to those forest spirits. So they did. And the forest spirits became their friends, and they meditated happily there ever after. I don't know how long they... <laughs> <laughs> And so that was how Metta, as far as I understand, that was how Metta was uh, officially introduced into Buddhism. And then after that, it was um, broken down as a practice uh, where you send loving kindness to yourself and then to a benefactor, someone who takes good care of you in one way or another, then a good friend, and then a neutral person like a bank clerk or a hotel concierge or a, or a grocery clerk. Then a difficult person, yes, it's possible to send authentic kindness and loving feelings to a difficult person, um, like a hard person in my family or a hard political person. It is possible to do that. And then to all beings. Um, and the idea is, again, just stretching that portal, opening it up, making room for that love. What's interesting, though, is that in, in this, in the culture of the Buddhist times and in Southeast Asian culture now, um, self-love, or in a Tibetan culture, self-love is, is the natural starting place. Because in those cultures, self-love is part of the conditioning. But in ours, starting with uh, sending love to oneself can be very difficult. And they have these long retreats at Spirit Rock where you can do metta for a week. And I did it once, and I had to spend the entire week on myself because it was so hard. And also because I noticed that when I really got it, when it really was flowing and there was love there, it instantly went out to everybody else. There was no boundary. That's what I mean. We are all. So anyway, these are the phrases. <clears throat> OK, now how do you do a djembe in a dress? <laughs> didn't think about that before. <laughs> OK. <laughs> All right. Uh, so this is how it sounds. May I be happy. May I be safe. May I be healthy. May I be at ease. May 
May you be safe. May you be happy. 
Your behavior is selfish, contracted, insane. I reject you, protect my heart from that pain. But you long for happiness just as I do. May you find it and forgiveness too. May you be happy. May you be safe. May you be healthy. May you be at ease. All seen and unseen, so many of us here. A blur until I feel the individual was there. Bird on the branch, dog in the car. Known and unknown, all being near and far. May we be happy. May we be safe. May we be healthy. May we be at ease. May we be All beings everywhere, may we be happy, may we be safe, may we be healthy, may we be at ease. Thanks so much for your attention. I love feeling and talking about this stuff and singing about it. I love it. To me, it's the most interesting thing ever. Dharma. So thank you. Uh, We do have a few minutes if anybody has any questions or comments. (laughs) Yeah. You have a poem? Would you like to visit on the topic of metta? Oh, yeah, please. Uh Uh-huh. night here apparently. Say your name. Isabella. It goes like this. It's called Wild Geese. Yeah, this is a good one. It's a good one. Okay, good. good. (sighs) You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk a hundred miles on your knees through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your being love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours. I'll tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the soft pebbles, the clear blue rain move across the prairies along the landscape. Among the prairies and the tall trees, over the rivers, over the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, oh, high, meanwhile, high in the clear blue air, the wild geese, you know are coming home again. <laughs> Uh-oh, I guess I forgot. Meanwhile, do you know the rest of it? Oh, whoever you are, the most important, whoever you are, no matter how lonely 
the world is calling out this to your imagination, calling to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over. Uh-oh, uh, calling out your name. Uh-oh, uh -oh. do you remember the last line? Announcing your place in the family of things. Thank you. Mm. That was a beautiful poem. <laughs> yeah. Gary Oliver. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's a beautiful tradition in Buddhism, which is the dedication of merit, where we take any good vibes that we've generated tonight and we send them out everywhere. We don't hold them for ourselves. And Reverend Hank Schur, this monastery, he leads this monastery, he wrote a song um, of dedication and merit that we can do to close. May every living thing, our minds as one and radiant with light. Know the roots of peace, with hearts of goodness, luminous and bright. If people hear and see how hands and hearts can find in giving unity, may our minds awake to great compassion, wisdom, and to joy. May kindness find reward. May all who sorrow leave their grief and pain. May this boundless light ease the darkness of their endless night. Because all hearts are one, this world of pain turns into paradise the miracle of the present moment isn't it something else may all become compassionate and wise may all become compassionate and wise we can sing this together May all become compassionate and wise. Right, thank you. Happy trails in the ever-unfolding moment. <laughs> Love yourselves. You're worth it. You're precious. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.